0: Manx Radio are proud to present an abridged radio adaptation of the classic novel The Railway Children from the original novel by Edith Nesbitt, written in 1906. The Railway Children.
1: There was Roberta, known as Bobby, Peter, known as Peter, and Phyllis, sometimes known as Phil. They lived with their mother and father in a large red-bricked front villa in the fashionable outskirts of London. The house had a small garden to the front and various panels of coloured glass in the front door, a pattern-tiled passageway they called the hall, a bathroom with both hot and cold water, electric bells upstairs and downstairs, French windows to the rear garden and a great deal of white paint throughout. They were not railway children at the beginning of the story. These were lucky children, always having what they wanted, pretty clothes, good fires, A lovely nursery with heaps of toys and Mother Goose wallpaper. Who on earth is that? An Englishman's home is his castle.
2: Perhaps they should build larger detached villas together with moats and drawbridges.
3: Beg pardon, sir. There are two gentlemen at the door and have taken the liberty of showing them into the library.
2: Oh, thank you, Ruth. I expect it's about the vicar's testimonial or perhaps the church
1: choir's holiday fund.
2: I wish we had a moat and a drawbridge.
1: I I won't be long. Father didn't seem able to get rid of the visitors as quickly as promised. And then the library bell rang for the two visitors to be shown out of the house.
3: At last! Excuse me, madam, but the master wants to see you in the study. I think he's had some bad news, or perhaps a death in the family. That will do, Ruth. You can go. I'll pop to the study to see what is wrong.
1: The sound of voices came from the hall. Busy footsteps up and down the stairs the sound of a cab driving away and the front door shutting with a bang. Mother came into the room with a face as white as her lace collar.
4: Come along, children. Ruth will put you to bed. Your father has been called away on business. Good night, Mother.
1: Good night, Mother.
4: Good night,
5: Mother. It wasn't bad news, was it? Is anybody dead or...? No, nobody
4: is dead. I can't tell you anything tonight, my pet. Go, dear. Go now.
1: Later, while in the bedroom, the children were worried. And after Ruth had combed Bobby's and Phil's hair and she was just about to leave the room... I say, Ruth, what's up?
3: Don't ask me no questions and I'll tell you no lies. You'll know soon enough. If Mother doesn't want us to know she's been crying,
5: we won't get any news from her tonight.
1: Next morning, Mother had left the house very early. And when the children had gone downstairs to the kitchen for breakfast, Ruth told them Mother had gone to catch the early train into central London.
6: There's something awfully wrong. Ruth told me last night we would know today.
5: Why did you ask her?
6: Because I did. I couldn't go to bed still worrying about Mother.
5: I don't think we ought to ask the servants about things that Mother doesn't want to tell us.
6: That's right, Miss Goody-Goody. Preach away.
5: I'm not a Goody-Goody. She is a Goody-Goody, but I think she is right this time.
6: Of course, she's always right in your opinion.
5: Oh, don't. Don't let's be horrid to each other. I'm sure some dire calamity is happening. Don't. Don't let us make it worse.
1: The children waited all day. It wasn't until seven o'clock in the evening when Mother finally got home, looking very tired and ill.
4: Now, darlings, I want to tell you something. Those men last night did bring some very bad news, and Father will be away for some time. I am very worried about it, and I want you all to help me, not make things harder for me. As if we would. I know. You can help me very much by being good... And happy. And not quarrelling while I'm away, for I too shall have to be away for a good deal in the future weeks. We won't quarrel. It isn't necessary for you to know anything about it. It's all about business. and, And you never understand business, do you? No. Is it something to do with government, for didn't father hold a government office? Yes. But now it's time for bed, my darlings. And don't you worry. It'll all come right in the end.
1: And for a couple of weeks everything was horrid. Staff were released, mother spent a lot of time in bed, then one morning at breakfast.
4: Now, my pets, everything is settled. We are going to leave this house and go and live in the country. Such a dear little white cottage, I know you'll love it.
1: So the packing started, but not like the packing to go to the seaside... Tables, chairs, candlesticks, bedding and saucepans were all loaded onto the horse-drawn cart. Later, with all the packing now complete, the journey to their new home by train had started.
4: Wake up, dears. We're here at the station, close to our new home.
1: This was the first time they'd seen a railway line as part of the landscape, together with a small country station with lovely flower beds. This, in the future, was to become so much part of their lives and as the lights of the guard van of the train they had arrived on disappeared along the line...
4: Come along now, children. We've got to walk, I'm afraid. There aren't any cabs here.
1: So they took through the rough road of the station, across many fields, opening and closing numerous gates, all following the cartman and his horse and cart, walking up the hill towards a dark building that gradually came into view, with not a light on anywhere, and so unwelcoming.
2: There's the cottage ahead, madam. Thank you, Carter.
4: I wonder why she has all the shutters up. Who's she? The woman I've engaged to clean the place to put the furniture straight and prepare us some supper. I wonder where Mrs. Vinney is
2: as the train was late. I imagine she's gone home.
4: but she has the key.
2: Oh, I should have left it under the doormat. People do round here. Ah, oh, here it is
1: right enough. You got a candle?
4: No, sorry, I, I don't know where anything is.
1: When they got inside on the table was an unlit candle in its holder together with a box of matches, but no furniture had been set out. No curtains had been hung, and no fire burning in the hearth. The family started to unpack a few things, including more candles, and then they all settled down for a good night's sleep.
4: Wake up, dears.
7: Morning, Mother. Sorry we fell asleep, but perhaps you've noticed that we had started to set the table for
4: breakfast. Oh, thank you, Phil. But it doesn't matter. About the cups and saucers, I mean. I've found another room, and it's like magic our meal was all set out last night by mrs finney with cold roast beef bread butter cheese and pie
6: pie for breakfast
4: it isn't pigeon pie it's an apple pie there was also a note from mrs finney her son-in-law has broken his arm so she had to go home early to look after him she's coming back this morning at 10
1: the day passed with unpacking and arranging things
4: there that'll do for today i'm going to lie down for an hour What shall we do? Let's find the garden.
6: No, that can wait. Something much more exciting. Let's go down to the railway now. We can look at the track over the white wooden fence at the bottom of that field.
1: Suddenly, from in the tunnel was a rumbling noise, and then from the dark mouth of the tunnel, in the very next moment was a shriek and a snort, a train rushed out of the tunnel. Slid past them with a rush they felt.
5: like a great dragon tearing
7: by. Did you feel it fan us with its hot wings? I suppose a dragon's lair might look very much
5: like that tunnel from the outside.
6: I never thought we would ever get as near to a moving train as this. It's the most ripping sport.
5: Better than toy engines, isn't it?
6: I don't know, but it's different. It seems so odd to see all of the train. It's awfully tall, isn't it?
7: We usually see them cut in half by platforms in stations.
5: I wonder if that train is going to London? London is where father is.
1: The railway children gradually gave the trains names. The 915 was called the Green Dragon, and the 1007 was the Worm of Wantley. And the Midnight Express, which they heard from their beds, was named the Fearsome Fly by Night. It was on the Green Dragon that the old gentleman travelled.
7: The Green Dragon is going to where father is. If it were a real dragon, we could stop it and ask it to take our love to him.
6: Dragons don't carry people's love. They would be above all that.
7: Yes, they do. If you tame them first, they fetch and carry, like tame spaniels and feed out of your hand. I wonder why father never writes to us.
5: Mother says he's been too busy, but she said he will write soon.
7: Let's all wave to the green dragon when it goes by, and if it's a magic dragon, it will understand and take our love to father.
1: So when the train came rushing out of the tunnel, the three children waved their handkerchiefs, and out of the first-class carriage a hand waved back. After that, it became the custom to wave to the 9.15 every day, and they hoped that the old gentleman that waved back knew father and hoped he would pass on their love to him over a business meeting, telling him how his children waved their love every day, wet or dry. Meanwhile, back in the cottage, mother, busy writing, soon paid off.
4: Hooray, hooray! Here's a sensible editor. He's taken one of my stories, and here's the proof of it.
1: Whenever an editor was sensible, the children had buns for tea, One day Peter went into the village to buy buns with funds that had just been sent from another sensible editor when he met Perks. Good morning. Good morning. I'm going to buy buns for tea. I thought you were all so poor. So
6: we are, but we always have buns for tea whenever Mother sells a story or a poem or anything. Oh, so your mother writes stories then, does she? The most beautiful you have
8: ever read. You ought to be proud having such a clever mother. Ah well, I must be getting on. You give us a look in at the station whenever you feel so inclined.
1: The children went down to the station often to see the trains and wave to the passengers. Country life settled down at the three chimneys. But with work and all the worry, the children didn't go down to wave at the Green Dragon, even though the old gentleman was ready to wave back with his newspaper. The next day there was only Peter at the white fence with a sign written on white sheets saying, Look out at the station! And when the train have puffed to a halt at the platform.
7: Oh, I thought I'd missed you. My bootlaces would keep coming undone as I ran. I fell over twice. Please take this damp letter. Please.
1: On the train as it pulled out of the station on its journey to London, the old gent sat and read the letter to himself with a smile on his face.
9: Dear Mr... Sorry, we don't know your name. Mother is ill and the doctor says to give her the things on the list at the end of this letter, but she says we can't afford them. We do not know anybody here except you, and because Father is away and we do not know the address to send a letter to him, we thought you might be able to help your railway friends. Father will pay you, or if he has lost all his money and everything, Peter will pay you when he is a man. We, we promise on our honour, we will owe you for all the things on Mother's List, and when you have the items... Will you give the parcel to the porter? Because we don't know what train you come back on. Signed, Roberta, Phyllis and Peter.
1: At six o'clock in the evening, there was a knock on the cottage door. The three children rushed to open it. There was Perks with a big hamper. The old
8: gent asked me to fetch it up straight away to you. Thank you very much. I'm awfully sorry, but I haven't got two pence to give you like Father does. You drop that at once, if you please. I wasn't thinking about no twopences. I only wanted to say I was sorry your mama wasn't very well and to ask how she finds herself this evening and I thought this bunch of sweetbri might brighten her room. Thank you very much and I beg your
6: pardon about the two pence.
1: No offence. The children then all excited opened the hamper which contained all the things they had asked for and numerous things they had not asked for peaches, port wine, two chickens and a bunch of big red roses, plus three small bottles of eau de cologne. With the goods, there was also a letter.
9: Dear Roberta, Phyllis and Peter, here are the things you wanted. Your mother will need to know where they came from. Tell her they are from a friend who has heard she was unwell. When she is well again, you can tell her all about it and if she says you ought not to have asked, tell her that I say you were quite right and I hope she will forgive me for taking the liberty of allowing myself a very great pleasure. Signed, GP.
7: That's wonderful. I think we were right. Right? Of course we were right.
6: All the same. I don't exactly look forward to telling Mother the whole truth about it.
5: Well, we're not to do that until she's really well, and when she is well, we shall be so happy we won't mind a little fuss like that. Oh, just look at the roses. I must take them to Mother. Don't forget the sweetbriar.
1: Three weeks later, the painted sign hanging on the railway line's railing said, She is nearly well, thank you. The older gentleman saw the sign and waved a cheerful response from the train. When Mother was fully recovered, she was extremely angry at first, but in time all things were back to normal.
4: I'm so sorry I was so angry at the time, darlings. We didn't mean to be naughty, Mother. I know, but but listen, it's quite true we are poor, but we have enough to live on. You must never, never ask strangers to give you things. I'll write a letter to the old gentleman and tell him that I didn't approve. Oh, of course, I'll thank him for his kindness. It's you I didn't approve of, my darlings. He was as kind as he ever could be. I'll give you the letter to give to Perks, and then he can give it to the old gentleman, and, and we'll say no more about it.
1: Mother's health improved daily, and soon the three children were off on their adventures every day with the steam trains. One day they were in the village and came up on the platform from the end in the usual way, when they saw a small crowd at the other end of the lonely platform. Now then, now then, move along. I'll attend to this, if you please. But the small crowd didn't move. Then there came a voice which thrilled the children through and through. It was in a foreign language.
6: What's that he's saying? Sounds like French to me. It isn't French. Well, what is it? I don't know what it is. All I know, it isn't French. Try him in French, if you know so much about it. All right, parlez-vous
1: français. The stranger suddenly spoke words, and they tumbled out of his mouth in a hurry.
6: There, that's French. Well? Well? What did he say? I don't know.
8: Here, you all move on if you please and I'll deal with this. Take him to your room in the station.
5: No, not not like that. Gently, don't you see he's
1: frightened? In the station waiting room, Bobby sat holding the stranger's hand and stroking his sleeve.
8: Here we go. No ticket, no travel. Doesn't even know where he wants to go. I think I need to contact the police.
5: No, don't. Please. No, please. Mother will be here soon and she speaks perfect French.
8: Very well. I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt.
5: Peter, have you still got those
7: stamps in your pocket?
6: What a great idea, Phil. Here, look. Norway, Denmark, Spain.
5: He's pointing towards that blue one, Peter.
6: He's Russian.
5: I'll stay here with him while you fetch Mother off the train.
8: Aren't you afraid?
5: No, not at all. You wouldn't hurt me, would you? What's happening here? He's lost, Mother. Can you speak to him in French?
1: After a few questions and answers in French...
8: Well, what did he say?
4: It's all right. All right. He's Russian and he's lost his ticket. And I'm afraid he's very ill. If you don't mind, I'm going to take him home with me now.
8: Oh, be careful now. He could be a foreign spy. I
4: don't think so. He's a great man in his own country. He writes books. Beautiful books. I've read some of them. You girls run home and light a fire in the sitting room. And Peter, you'd better run and fetch the doctor.
1: When they got home, Mother made the Russian guests comfortable. And then she went into the girls' room with some clothes in her arms for the new guest.
5: Now, Mother, tell us about the Russian gentleman. We have been very patient. Why have you got Daddy's
4: clothes? He's not dead, is he? No, darlings. What made you think such a horrible thing? I don't know. I just thought... Daddy is quite, quite well when I heard from him last, and he'll come back to us some day soon. Now tell us about this Russian. He's a writer, and in one of his books he took the side of the poor Russian people and suggested the Tsar, or one of his family, were doing wrong. But if you do that, you are sent to prison. But they can't. People only go to prison when they've done wrong. Well, that's in England... It's not the same in Russia. He was sent to Siberia, and when he got there to the mines, he was condemned to them for the rest of his life. For life? Yes, just for writing a good and splendidly noble book. How did he get away? When he was in the mines, somebody got a message to him telling him his wife and children had made it to England. Luckily, other prisoners helped him escape, and that's how he's here. Has he got their address? No, just England. He was going to London when he lost his ticket and his wallet.
7: Mother, you seem very sorry for him. Yes,
4: dear. So when you say your prayers tonight, I think you might ask God to show his pity upon prisoners and captives all over the world. All prisoners and captives? Yes, dear. Please think about and pray for all prisoners and captives.
1: The Russian writer got gradually more healthy each day. Bobby was the chief nurse and always followed Mother's advice to the letter. Perks had sent some strawberries from his garden for the children, but they thought it would be good to give them to their guest. One day they had wandered down to the cutting that the railway meandered through in the landscape.
6: Let us go down on the track, using that cute little staircase down the side of the tunnel.
5: Be careful, Peter.
6: Oh, it's all right if you take it slowly.
5: Come on, Phyllis. Hush! Stop! What's that?
6: That was very odd noise indeed. It sounds like wind blowing through branches. It's stopped now.
5: No, it's there again.
6: Listen.
7: It's getting louder.
6: Look at that tree over there.
7: It's moving. So are the others. It's like the woods in Macbeth. It's magic. I always knew this railway was enchanted. It's not magic. What is it? Oh, what is it? It's too much magic for me.
5: Let's go home.
6: It's all coming down. It's like when the coal goes there in the cellar.
5: Look, well, look what a great mound of earth that's brought down onto the track. Yes, it's right up across both tracks. That will take some sweeping away.
6: Yes, yes. Hey, the 1129 down hasn't gone yet. We must let them know at the station or there'll be a frightful accident. Let's run to the station. Come back, Bobby. There's not enough time. If we had anything red, we could go down onto the track and wave it.
5: We could wave anyway. But they'll think it's just as waving as normal.
7: Let's go down now. I'm coming. I'm so hot, I thought it was going to be cold. I wish
5: I hadn't put on my... Oh, petticoats! They're red, let's take them off. You're not going to tear them.
6: Shut up, Phil.
5: It's all right, Peter. You can tear them a little bit. We must stop that train.
6: There, now we've got six flags and we've only got seven minutes. Let's get into position.
5: I bet your watch is wrong. No. Listen. Look, white smoke and that rumbling sound of a train.
6: Stand firm and wave like mad.
5: They won't see us. They won't see us. It's no good. Keep back, Bobby. Not yet. No, not yet.
6: Bobby, move.
5: Not yet. Bobby. Stop. 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 Stop!
1: And the train stopped, luckily just in time as Bobby had fainted and was laid across the track.
7: I believe that's how people
8: look when they are dead.
6: Stop it, Phyllis.
1: The three children were then taken back to the station as heroes.
8: You'll hear from the company about this, I expect.
7: Oh, stop it. I just want to go home. It was lucky we put on our red flannel
6: petticoats. And it was us, us three, that saved all the passengers from a certain rail disaster...
1: Life carried on at Three Chimneys, mother was still writing her stories and Bobby was helping the Russian recover and started to teach him some English, with short phrases like, good morning and thank you. One day a large official white envelope came, addressed to Peter, Roberta and Phyllis, which they opened with great enthusiasm.
5: Listen, Peter and Phil, dear sir and ladies... It is proposed to make a small presentation to you in commemoration of your prompt and courageous action in warning the train and thus averting what must, humanely speaking, must have been a terrible accident. The presentation will take place at the station at three o'clock on the 30th, if this time and place will be convenient to you all. Yours faithfully, Jabez Inglewood, Secretary, Great Northern and Southern Railway Company.
6: Better send a reply.
5: What shall we say? I know. Dear Mr. Jabez Inglewood, thank you very much. We did not want to be rewarded, but we only wanted to save the train, but we are glad you think so, and thank you very much. The time and place you say will be quite convenient to us. Thank you very much. Roberta, Phyllis, and Peter, P.S. Thank you very much.
1: Perfect.
5: Couldn't have done better myself.
1: The day of the presentation arrived and looking all neat and tidy, Mother and the children went down to the station at the agreed time. There was a small crowd. At first the district superintendent gave a long speech of welcome, and then the old gentleman got to his feet and said some nice things too. He then called the children one by one by their names and gave them a beautiful gold watch and chain each. These were engraved under the watchmaker's name with Ingrateful Recognition of the Courageous and Prompt Action Which Averted a Railway Accident, 1905. Hey, your chance to make a speech now. Begin, ladies and gentlemen.
6: Me? Oh, dear. Ladies and gentlemen, it is most awfully good of you for the gift of these lovely watches, and we shall treasure them for the rest of our lives. But really, we don't deserve it, because what we did was really exciting. And what I mean to say, thank you very, very much.
1: And all the people clapped, and then everybody shook hands and left the platform in small groups.
5: I did want to talk to the old gentleman about something else, but it was so public. It'll perhaps be better to send him a letter.
1: So the letter was written and left in Perks' capable hands to give to the old gentleman when he was next on the train. A day later, a message from Perks asked the children to meet the gentleman off his train around tea time. So the next day they waited very nervously on the platform.
7: My heart's in my boots.
5: You'll think we're idiots.
1: He won't be far wrong. Hello. This is a very
6: great pleasure.
5: It was good of you to get out. Well, what is it? Oh, please. Yes? What I mean to say. Well? It's all very nice and kind. But? I wish I might say something. Why not say it? Say it, Bobby. Well, then.
1: And the story of the Russian writer, Sispansky, came flooding out about poor people and family and a prison... And Siberia
5: and what we want more than anything in the world is to find his wife and children for him but we don't know how to you must be very clever being a railway director and if you knew how and and would help we'd rather have that than anything in the world we'd even sell our watches if it helps well said Bobby
6: I would have said the same
9: well dear me what did you say his name was
5: Frympansky? pansky no I'll write it down for you. Oh, that man. Bless my
9: soul. Why, I've read his book. So your mother took him in?
5: Yes, we
9: all did. I'll tell you what. Your mother must be a very good woman.
6: Oh, she is.
9: And you're a very good man. Oh, you flatter me. I'm very pleased you came to me with this. Very glad indeed. I know a great many Russians in London, and every Russian will be read this book and know his name. I'll start asking questions straight away. Now tell me about yourselves.
1: So they sat down and told the old gent all about their lives, all from living in London to moving down to Three Chimneys and how the railway had lifted their spirits. During all this, Perks had provided some bread and butter and a big pot of tea. The next train arrived at the platform, so the old gent said his goodbye and left with many kind words from the children.
6: Well, it's my belief that we've ignited a
1: candle today, and there will be fireworks for our Russian before long. It took a little time, but one day, while the children were in their lesson, they heard a knock on the front door. Who on earth?
7: Let's go and see. Hello.
1: Well,
6: hello. This
7: is a surprise. Hello. How do you do? What can we do for you?
9: Well, I bring good news. I found your Russian friend's wife and child and I couldn't resist the temptation of giving myself the pleasure of telling him in person. Bobby, will you run and warn him of our approach? We will
1: follow in a minute. The Russian writer was told the excellent news about his family and with many tears by all and much thanks to everybody, mother took the old gent to one side.
4: I don't know how to thank you for everything you've done. It has been a pleasure for me to see you again. We live a very quiet life here in the country and do not entertain very often. Madam, I consider myself very fortunate. You
9: seem to be nothing but a very charming and gracious lady.
1: The old gent thanked everybody and with that the Russian left the room to pack and later they all saw him off to the station together with the old gent. He would continue on his journey home with the Russian by his side. The children carried on with life and one day again at the station. Hey, that's a very pretty brooch, Miss Bobby."
5: Thank you, Perks. It was given to me by mother on my birthday.
8: Oh, have you had a birthday?
5: Yes. When's your birthday, Mr Perks?
8: Oh, uh, uh, my birthday? Oh, well, i give up keeping a my birthday afore you was born.
7: You must have been born sometime. You know, even if it was 20 or 40 or 60 years. Oh, or... not
8: so long ago as that, Missy. If you really want to know, it was 32 years ago, come the 15th of this month. Then why don't you keep it? I've got something else better to do than keep birthdays.
7: Like what? Keep secrets?
1: No. The kids and the missus. Later, while the children were sitting with their mother after tea at the three chimneys.
5: It seems horrid
4: that nobody keeps Perks's birthday.
5: Couldn't we do something?
4: I've sold another story, so it's buns for tea tomorrow. Couldn't we have the buns
7: on the 15th?
6: I don't
4: mind when we have them, but
7: why?
6: Because it's Perks' birthday.
7: He's 32, and he says he doesn't keep his birthday anymore because he has other things to keep. Not rabbits or secrets, but the kids and the missus.
4: You mean his wife and children?
7: Yes.
5: It's the same thing, isn't it? And we thought we'd make a nice birthday for him. He's been so awfully decent to us, Mother.
6: And we thought the next bun day we would ask you if we could give them to Perks to make his day.
5: (laughs) We could write his name on the buns with pink icing.
7: Perks isn't a nice name for a cake.
6: It's better than Albert.
7: Perhaps
5: we could put AP. It's not very exciting. We could give him some flowers.
6: But he's got plenty in his garden.
5: Let's all be quiet and think.
6: I've got an idea. What? Well, Perks is so nice to everybody. There must be a lot of people in the village who'd like to help make his birthday special. Let's go round and ask everybody.
1: Talking to as many villagers as they could, telling them about Perks' birthday... Some people were very kind, and some people were very crusty. When they got home, they looked at the list of promises and some given presents. These were all given by the people in the village. The sweet shot gave a tobacco pipe, the grocer
6: gave half a pound of tea, a woolen scarf, slightly faded was the gift of the draper, and the stuffed squirrel from the doctor.
7: The butcher promised a piece of meat, six fresh eggs from the lady at the toll cottage, a piece of honeycomb, and six bootlaces from the cobblers.
5: And an iron shovel from the blacksmith. The lady at the post office said it was her birthday tomorrow and told us to get along.
1: So Bobby and Phyllis went to pick some roses from the garden. They had decided not to tell Peter what they were doing. They put the flowers into the basket and tied it with one of Phyllis's ribbons and left it on the post counter the next day. Over breakfast they told Mother of their plans for perks.
4: There's no harm in it, but it depends on how you do it. I only hope he's not offended and thinks it's
6: charity. Poor people can be very proud. It isn't because he's poor. It's because we're fond of him.
4: I'll sort out some clothes that Phyllis has grown out of for his children.
1: Next day, they made their way down into the village. When passing the post office, they heard a voice.
4: Here, stop a bit. Those roses. Do you like them? Here's your basket. Thank you. Oh, look. It's full of big red gooseberries. I thought Perks' children might like them. You are a dear. Perks will be pleased. You're good souls, that's what you are. I've also got an old pram round the back, which is not used any more. Perhaps Mrs Perks could make use of it?
1: So the three children took the pram and filled it with the birthday gifts and walked down the hill to the village in the afternoon to see Mr Perks. But the first person they saw was Mrs Perks.
3: Hello children. Busy day today. Extra cleaning. Oh, I don't know why Perks named it as his birthday. We keep the children's birthdays, of course, but not his and mine. We're too old for that sort of thing.
6: We knew it was his birthday today, and we got him some presents for him in the pram.
3: Oh, how nice. Oh, don't cry, Mrs Perks. Don't you like them? There, there, oh, don't you mind me. I'm all right. Why, it's a birthday like Perks has never had, even when he was a lad living with his uncle. Oh, they are lovely. And you are such perfect and loving children.
6: Stop it. Look here. We're pleased that you are pleased.
3: Can I please have a plate for the buns? Oh, his perks
7: now. Come on, let's go and hide. And then we can jump out and say happy birthday.
8: Hello, my old woman. Well, here's a pretty set-up.
3: It's your birthday tea, Bert. And here's an ounce of something extra particular that you like.
8: Well, what a good girl you are. Now... What's this pram doing here? And what are all these bundles?
5: Oh, we forgot to put labels on the presents. Perks won't know who gave them.
3: Oh, Perks is so upset.
8: Look, I don't care. I won't stand for it, and so I tell you straight.
3: But it's from them children you make such a fuss about. The children from Three Chimneys.
8: I don't care. And I'm not going to begin these sort of charity goings on at my time of life. So don't you think
3: I will? Oh, hush, Bert. Shut your silly tongue, for goodness sake. The three children are in the wash house and they're listening to every word. Then I'll give them something
8: to listen to. I've spoken my mind to them before and I'll do it again. Come out, all three of you.
7: Oh dear, I thought you'd be pleased. I'll never try to be kind to anybody else as long as I live. No, I won't. Not ever.
6: We didn't mean any harm.
8: It ain't what you mean so much as what you does.
5: Oh, don't. We thought you'd love it. We always have things for our birthdays.
8: Oh yes, from your own relations.
6: That's different.
8: No. No, not just our relations.
6: But they're not all from us. Only we forgot to put the labels on. They're from all sorts of people in the village. Who put them up to it? Come on, I'd like to know.
8: Why? We did it out of friendship. You've been round the village telling everybody we can't make ends meet. Very much obliged, I'm sure. I don't doubt that you meant it kindly, but I'd rather not be acquainted with you any longer, if it's all the same to all of you. Look here, this is most awful. That's what I says. We'll go if you like,
5: and you needn't be friends with us any more if you don't want, but... We shall always be friends with you,
7: however nasty you are to us. But before we go, let us show you the labels we wrote to
8: put on all the presents. I don't want to see any labels.
7: You are a very nasty man. At least let Bobby show you the labels that we wrote out.
8: Well, go ahead.
7: Well then,
3: we wrote down all the kind things that everybody said about... Don't upset yourself, Missy. I know you meant it kindly, even if he doesn't. May I read the labels?
5: Mothers first, some little clothes that Phyllis has grown too big for. We can't do much because we are poor ourselves.
8: Oh Well, well, well that's all right. Your ma's a born lady. We'll, we'll keep the frocks Nell.
5: The pram, Gooseberries and sweets,
3: are from the lady at the post office. I can't send the pram back, Bert. Well, because, you know, and I won't, so don't you ask me. I'm not asking anything.
7: Then the shovel. Mr James the blacksmith made it for you especially. He said it's a pleasure to make a little trifle for a man who is so much respected in the village.
8: Aye,
6: James is a good enough chap.
5: The bootlaces and the honey, they all came from men who all respected a man who always paid his way. And the butcher said the same.
6: And everybody who gave said the same. Even the old gentleman gave a gold pound for you.
5: And we thought you'd love to know how fond people are of you. I was never so unhappy in my life. Goodbye. I hope you'll forgive us day.
8: Stop, stop, stop. I take back every word I said. Nell, set the kettle on. We'll take the things back if you're unhappy with them. I'm not unhappy with them. I don't know, I don't know. As ever, I was better pleased, really. It's not the presents, even though they're all perfect. But it's the kind respect of the neighbours. That's worth having, eh, Nell?
3: I think. It's all worth having, and you have made a ridiculous fuss about nothing, Bert. No, I ain't. If a man didn't respect himself, no one would do it for
7: him. But everybody respects you. They all said so. I knew you'd like it when you really understood.
1: Oh, you'll you'll stay for tea. Mother returned again to writing her stories, and the children played happily. But after a few harsh words between the children, about nothing and a silly one sided argument with a rake, Peter was laid up in bed for a few days with a cold. So the two girls went down to the village by themselves and dropped in on perks. And how's the young gent?
5: Better thanks, but he's most frightfully bored. I came to ask if you have any magazines you could lend him.
8: Magazines uh, That's just it. Ah. I've only just this last minute sent some up for Snigson's son. Him that's just getting over pneumonia. But I've got lots of illustrated papers which have been left here. I'll just slip a bit of string around them for you to take up to him.
5: That's perfect, Mr Perks. Thank you.
8: There's lots of pictures for him to look at and he can also colour them in because
1: I don't want them back. You're a dear. The two girls rushed home and later in the bedroom, Bobby sat with some of the papers on her lap and then a headline caught her eye.
5: So now I know. End of the trial. Verdict. Sentence.
1: There was the name of her father. The verdict was guilty. And the sentence was five years penal servitude.
5: Oh, Daddy, it's not true. I don't believe it. You never did it. Never, never, never.
1: Later, Bobby was sitting in the room upstairs by herself with red eyes from crying when Mother looked around the door.
4: What's the matter, Bobby? Oh, Mother. Oh, Mother, I've seen a story about father in the newspaper. Oh, Bobby. You don't believe it. You don't believe Daddy did it, do you? No. That's all right. It's not true. They've shut him in prison, but he's done nothing wrong. He's good and noble and honourable and he belongs to us. We have to remember that when we think of him and be proud of him. And just wait and see. Why didn't you tell me? Are you going to tell the others? No. Why? Because... Exactly. So you understand why I didn't tell you? We two must help each other to be brave. Yes. Mother, will it make you more unhappy if you tell me all about it? I want to understand. You remember when those men came to talk to him? They had come to arrest him. Charging him with selling state secrets to the Russians. With being... In fact, a spy and a traitor. Letters were found in father's desks and and these letters convinced the jury that your father was guilty. How could anybody who knew him believe it? And how could anybody do such a thing to a loyal servant? Someone did it. And all the evidence was against him. Those letters. Yes. How did those letters get there? Someone put them there. And the real criminal who put them there is the person who was really guilty of the crime. Why don't you tell the lawyers or someone that it must have been someone else? I don't know. I don't know. The man under him was always jealous of your father, and Daddy never quite trusted him. Is there nothing we can do? Nobody will listen, darling. Nobody at all. Do you think I haven't tried? All we can do, you, I and father, is to be brave and patient.
1: So Bobby decided to sit alone and write a letter to the old gentleman without mother's knowledge, telling him all the things that she had told her about the story in the newspaper, and asking, as he helped with the Russian author, if he could find out anything about the wrong done to her father. She ended the letter saying she hoped the gentleman could help, but she would understand if he couldn't, then added, I remain your affectionately little friend, Bobby. Without the other children seeing, she managed to get out via the back door to smuggle the envelope to the station and hand it to Perks, returning back to the three chimneys again via the back door where Peter and Phil were waiting. Where have you been?
5: Just out to get some fresh air.
1: I hear there's to be a paper
6: chase tomorrow. Who for? Pupils from the local grammar school.
7: They usually run alongside the
5: track at the beginning of the run. We could down to the cutting and look out for them and if we don't see the runners we could see the workmen still clearing away the last of the earth from the landslip.
1: As they talked to the foreman, a pupil pushed by them and disappeared into the tunnel, dropping small slips of paper. Then suddenly about thirty school children passed them. Bobby and Phyllis counted them as they passed them, right down to the last one in the red jersey.
6: They will take some time going through the tunnel in the dark. We could go over the top and see them when they come out the other end of the tunnel.
7: It's like the Alps up here. It's like the Himy, whatever its name is. Do, let's stop.
6: No, keep going. You'll get your second wind in a minute.
5: Stop! What? Look at the view! I hate views. Oh, it's lovely. Like a scene out of one of Mother's poetry books. I love it. Worth the climb.
6: Let's get on. At least it's all downhill now.
5: Come on, Phil. We
7: can sit on the parapet of the tunnel and see them as they pass. I bet they've gone a long time ago. Perhaps we could wait to see a train come out of the tunnel. It would be like a dragon exiting its lair.
6: Oh, look there. Here comes a hare. Now for the hounds. There is a lot of them. Some seem very tired and slow. There. That's all. No, it isn't. The one with the red jersey hasn't come past.
7: Let's wait. No. Let's go home. We must have missed him.
6: No, we didn't. Let's go down to the mouth of the tunnel.
7: Let's go home. I'm hungry. If I don't get some food soon, I'll die. And then you'll be sorry. I wonder what's happened to the red jersey scholar.
6: He's perhaps had an accident.
7: Let's check. After we've had a sandwich?
6: Oh, come on, Phil.
7: It's dark in there. What's that sound?
6: It's a train. Which line? I don't know. I want to go back. Don't be a coward. It's perfectly safe. Just stand back near the tunnel wall. It is a dragon.
7: I always knew it was. And the train is now shouting as well.
6: Well, it's gone now.
5: Peter, light that candle you have. Look!
6: Look! Over there.
5: Is he all right? Is the red blood? Has he been killed? No, he isn't. Please, speak to us.
7: Please. Oh, look, he's just opened his eyes. He's not dead. He's not
6: dead. I knew he wasn't. What's happening? I'm all right. Let him be for a minute. He'll be okay. Oh, no, I'm better now. I remember all about it now.
0: Oh, I think I've broken my leg. Did you tumble down? No, of course not. I'm not a kiddie. It was one of those wires that I tripped over. Uh, When I
6: tried to get up, I couldn't stand on my leg, so I sat down again. How did you get here? We saw you all go into the tunnel, and then we ran across the hill to see you all come out. The others came out, but you didn't, so we are your rescue party. You've got some pluck, I'll say.
7: Oh, that's nothing. Do you think you could walk if we helped you? I could
0: try. Oh. Oh, that hurts. Let let me sit down again.
5: I feel like I'm dying. Oh, let me go. Look here. You must go and get help. Go to the nearest house.
6: Yes, that's the best thing.
5: I'll stay here with him. Are you sure he'll be all right? Yes, of course. Now quickly, go and get some help.
6: I hope we are doing the right thing.
5: Of course we are. Leave your pocket knife, Peter. I'll try and get his shoe off.
1: Gradually, Bobby cut the shoelaces and managed to get his shoe off, but his leg was badly swollen. So she had to also cut his stockings off. Now, looking for something to use as a cushion, petticoats again to the rescue. White, not red, on this occasion.
5: Oh, what useful things petticoats are. Whoever invented them should have a statue erected to them. Erected to what? To who? To what What for? Oh, never mind. At least now you're better. I hope this cushion under your leg helps. Oh, that hurts! Please don't faint again. Oh, that's better. It doesn't hurt as much. What's your name? Jim. Mine's Bobby. But you're a girl, aren't you? Yes. My long name is Roberta.
0: I say Bobby. Wasn't there more of you just now?
5: Yes. Peter and Phil, that's my brother and sister, they have gone to get somebody to help carry you out. What what
0: rum names? And all boys' names.
5: I sometimes wish I was a boy.
0: Oh, I think you're all right as you are. You're just as brave as a boy. Why didn't you go with the other two?
5: Somebody had to stay and look after you. Tell you what, Bobby, you're a brick. Shake. Shake.
1: Meanwhile, Phyllis and Peter reached the end of the tunnel. At Brigden's farm, they explained the dilemma, and soon, with the help of the farmhand and a stout hurdle, the boy was out of the tunnel.
5: Mother will know what to do. She took in the Russian author, so she's bound to know. Are you sure your mother won't mind? Certain.
1: So the small party set off across the fields with their patients swinging happily on a warm blanket, carried on a sturdy hurdle, when they reached the three chimneys.
5: Oh, Mother, do come down. We found a hound in a red jersey in the tunnel and he's broken his leg. You ought to take him to the vet. I can't really have a lame dog here. He's not a dog. He's a boy. Oh, Mother, you will be nice to him. I told him you always help everybody. Oh, well,
4: we must make the best of it. Here they are, Mother. His name's Jim. I'm glad you brought him here. Now, Jim, let's get you comfortable in a bed. Peter has gone to fetch the doctor.
0: It it will hurt, won't it? You won't think me a coward if I faint again. I really don't do it on purpose, and I don't want to give you
4: all this trouble. Don't you worry. It's you that has had the trouble, my dear, not us. We love having you here. Don't we, Bobby? Yes, Mother.
1: Gradually, after all the doctor's help... And of course, Bobby's intense nursing. Jim got better each day. Mother wrote to Jim's grandfather, and then two days later, early one morning, there was a knock at the front door. It made Mother jump. She thought it was the doctor, but the children heard footsteps and voices going upstairs. Then more footsteps and voices, and then...
4: Children, come into the parlour.
1: Well, I never.
4: Why, it's our own old gentleman. Oh, it's you. Sorry, how do you do? This is Jim's grandfather.
6: How splendid.
7: I'm so glad it is you. When you think of all the grandfathers in the world, it might have been almost anyone.
6: I say, though, you're not going to take Jim away yet,
9: are you? Not at present. Your mother has most kindly consented to let him stay here.
6: But what about her writing? There won't be anything for him to eat if mother doesn't write.
9: That's all right. I see. You trust your children and confide in them. Of course. Then I shall tell them our little arrangement. Your mother has consented to give up writing for a little while and become matron of my hospital.
7: Oh, dear. And shall we have to go away from here in the railway and everything? No, no, darling.
9: The hospital is called Three Chimneys Hospital and the unlucky Jim is the only patient. Your mother will be matron and there'll be hospital staff, a housemaid and a cook till Jim is well enough to go back to school. And then will Mother go on writing again? We shall see. Perhaps something nice might happen and she won't have to.
4: But I love my writing.
9: I know. Don't be afraid that I'm going to try and interfere. But one never knows. Very wonderful and beautiful things do happen, don't they? And we live in the hope of them. I may come again and visit the boy?
4: Surely. And I don't know how to thank you enough for making it possible for me to nurse him.
9: Oh, take care of your mother, my dears. She's a woman in a million. She is, isn't she? Dear me, look at the time. Where's my hat? Bobby, will you come with me to the gate?
5: Yes, of course.
9: You're a good child, my dear. I got your letter about your father, but it wasn't needed. When I read about your father's case in the papers, I had my thoughts and I've been trying to find out things. I have hopes, my dear.
5: I have hopes. And you don't think father did it, do you? Oh, say you don't. My dear, I'm perfectly certain he didn't.
1: Again, life carried on. Perhaps not as normal, but it was never the same again, especially when the old gentleman called to see his grandson. Now mother had stopped writing and had some help. The children's lessons resumed, and Jim taught Peter how to play chess drafts. Then one day, out of the blue... Look, here comes a 9.15.
6: Take our love to father...
7: Please take our love to Father. Take our love.
1: The old gentleman waved from the first-class carriage at the end of the train. But he was waving quite violently. And then something odd. From every window in all the carriages waved a handkerchief or a newspaper or just a hand. All waving wildly. What on earth does that mean?
5: I don't know. Perhaps the old gent told the passengers to wave to make us happy. Do you think the old gent was trying to tell us something? Maybe something to do with the newspaper?
6: But tell us what?
5: I don't know. But I do feel almost... Awfully funny. I feel exactly as if something was going to happen.
1: Back at the three chimneys, Peter and Phil went back to their studies, and Bobby remained in the kitchen with her mother.
5: Bobby, do you feel quite well, dear? You look very pale. I don't know. I don't know how I feel. I feel as though I want to be alone. What is it, dear? I just don't know. But I feel I want to be by myself. Perhaps a walk would do me good. I'll go down to the station and see Perks.
1: On the journey to the station... The old lady from the post office gave her a hug. The blacksmith just said good morning and smiled. Bobby still thought that something odd was happening. When she got to the station, Perks came out of the ticket office. Hello. Well, if this is the train, it will be smart
8: work. Well, God bless you. I must have this, miss. And no offence. You ain't offended, are you? I ain't took too great a liberty, but on a day like this... No. No, but... On a day like what? Like this here. Didn't I tell you I see it in the paper? Saw so what in the
5: paper?
1: Everybody knew what was going to happen, but Bobby was in a happy dreamland. She had that vague, confused, expectant feeling that comes to one's heart in dreams. Most of the passengers got off the train, followed by a very happy farmer after day at the cattle market, and then Miss Peckett's cousin arrived for a visit, and then the third.
5: Oh, my daddy! Oh, my daddy. I knew something wonderful was going to happen today, but I didn't think it was going to be this. Oh, my daddy. Oh, my daddy, you're here at last.
2: Didn't your mother get my letter?
5: There weren't any letters this morning. Daddy, is it really you? Yes,
2: Bobby. They've caught the man who did it. Everyone now knows it wasn't me.
5: I always knew it wasn't. We all knew me and Peter and Phil and mother, of course, and the wonderful old gentleman. Yes,
2: it's all his doing. Mother wrote to me and told me you'd found out. She also told me what you've been to her while I've been away. My own grown-up
1: little girl. For a short while, they stopped to admire the view across the fields. Then they continued towards three chimneys. Bobby goes in quickly to break the news to Mother, while Father walks around the garden, waiting. Then slowly he walks to the kitchen door.
5: Come in, Daddy. Please come in. Father! Father, is it really you?
7: Yes!
1: Home at last. The three children all walked slowly away from the cottage towards their beloved railway. All of a sudden there was no need for them to be in the three chimneys. Mother and father was all the cottage needed at the present time.
0: You've been listening to The Railway Children by Edith Nesbitt, published in 1906. It has been especially abridged and adapted for Manx Radio by Bob Harrison. The narrator was David Dawson. Mother and post office lady, Christine Sutcliffe, Father and Cartman, Jonathan Slight. Bobby, Beth Espy, Phyllis, Beth Thomas. Peter, Ben Davis, Ruth and Mrs. Perks, Stephanie Gray, Perks, Simon Fletcher, Jim, Carly Time, and the old gentleman was Bob Harrison. It was produced at Manx Radio Studios by Mark Tiley and Bob Harrison.